Welcome to First Importance, featuring the preaching and teaching ministries of First Baptist Church, West Memphis. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 6? We'll be looking today in verse 15, Nehemiah chapter 6, and verse, verses 15 through 19. Nehemiah 6, verses 15 through 19. I, uh, I struggle in my household to be someone who finishes a project. Uh, no solo amens, Sarah, right now. I, I struggle to finish the projects in my house. I start one, I, I lose interest. I'm going to have to turn my head different ways as the wind blows so you're not uh, having that problem in your vehicles. Uh, but I, I struggle finishing projects because I get disinterested in a project. I'll set it down and I'll start another project. Okay, I'm going to try to hold my hand over the microphone to try to prevent this wind. And, and so because I do that, I wind up with a lot of projects at the house that are unfinished. I wind up with a lot of projects that, uh, that still need to be done. And I think that a lot of, a lot of us are like that. We, we start something and then we... We either don't finish or we do not have the capability of finishing. And what I want to speak to you about today is on the subject and on the title, he finishes what he starts. He finishes what he starts. The title and subject of our sermon today is exclaiming how great our God is in his glory and in his might, in his power and his holiness, in all his attributes, he is great in that he finishes what he starts. He has that ability, he has that power, he has that promise. Our God is a God who finishes what he starts. And we'll see that exemplified today in the book of Nehemiah in chapter 6 in verses 15 through 19. Follow along with me as I read to you God's holy word. In verse 15, so the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and felt greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to, to, to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him, because he was the son-in-law of Shekaniah, the son of Ara, and his son Jehonan and had taken the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, as his wife. Also they spoke of his good deeds in my presence and reported my words to him. And Tobiah sent letters to make me afraid. Pray with me. Father, please now give me clarity uh, in my speech. Give me the right words to say and do your work in the hearts of your people. I pray that you would bring encouragement I pray that you would bring repentance. I pray that you would bring whatever we need to be drawn closer to you and to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. Thank you for my brothers and sisters who have made it here today. And Lord, I pray a special blessing upon them as we gather. Speak to them now. Speak to me and speak through me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. What a glorious truth today. 
As a matter of fact, I probably could have told you the title of this sermon. It'd be our sole point, and it could have been just as good as anything else. What a wonderful truth that God finishes what he starts. The work that he began in you, the work that he began in your salvation has not come to an end because what he begins, he finishes. He has the ability and the power to finish. He has promised that. He is good for his word, and our God finishes what he starts. Uh, Philippians chapter 1 and verses 3 through 6, you're familiar with the verses where Paul says, I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making uh, my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Verse 6, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Amen, that God is able and he will finish the work of salvation that he began in your life. And what wonder and glorious glorious truths that brings to our hearts in the midst of trials that God will finish the work that he began in you. And we see this vividly portrayed in Nehemiah chapter 6. I want you to observe with me now uh, three ways in which we see how God accomplishes what he Begins. I want us to see three aspects from our text today. In verse 15, I want you to see the victory. Look again with me in, in that verse, verse 15. So the wall was finished on the 25th day. So the wall was finished. I want you to notice with me, first of all, the victory. The victory that God provides just 52 days earlier, Nehemiah and his band of misfits, his band of, of people who did not have any idea how to construct a, a wall, who had been perfumers and who had been goldsmiths and had had all kinds of professions under the sun, P poor people, rich people, all of them had gathered together 52 days ago and had begun the work on the wall. They had begun to repair anywhere between two to four miles of wall that would have been very high, that would have been very thick walls. Uh, they have excavated portions of a tower that they believe belonged to this era. It's, it's a massive uh, tower, uh, much larger than anything that we can do. And it's just, it's amazing to think that they finished this in 52 days. God didn't just assemble the bricks together, but the people all gathered together, and in 52 days, they completed this project. It's unreal to me that that's a possibility. Ever since we began renovations here at the church, and as we look at long-term renovations to our facilities, there's one thing that I have learned, that my timetable and the timetable of the contractors who are around us are never the same. It is perhaps uh, an even greater miracle now that I have gone through some of these times to observe that in 52 days, this wall was complete. There was victory. There was victory for the people of Israel. You know, a few, uh, about one year ago now, uh, my son and my family experienced the first ever uh, uh, experience with sports in the family. Bo began playing soccer. 
Oh, he's my little soccer star. He plays so well. And if he's listening right now, Bo, Daddy's so proud of you. The way that you play soccer was so good last year. And, uh, well, you know, in these soccer games, the Boys and Girls Club, they don't keep score. But Daddy does. Daddy keeps score. Daddy wants to know how badly uh, we won or how badly we lost. And, and so uh, one day they had played really hard, and, and, uh, and Bo's team lost. Okay, They didn't. They didn't advertise that because there was only a few people keeping score. I was one of those people. And, uh, and, so, uh, and so Bo came off the field, and he was kind of sad. And I said, what's wrong, buddy? He said, we lost. I said, yeah. And he started to cry. And, and the family we had started to talk about, well, you know, uh, it, it's okay. It's okay uh, to lose. I said, no, no, uh, Mama, there's no such thing as a good loser. There's a such thing as a good sport. But there's no such thing as a good loser. Some, we, we learn from our mistakes. We learn from what we're doing in sports. We want to do better. We want to be better. You can be a good sport. Being a good sport is when you lose. You still respect the other team. You respect the hard effort. You take lessons from what you learn, and you move on. Uh, but, but that day I tried to teach Bo that, that, that there is something to be said for victory. We want to win. And, and here we see that when God is in a work and, and when we see that this, uh, this wonderful attribute of his that he finishes what he starts, we see that God's people receive the victory. Not everyone will receive the victory. God's people will receive the victory. Our God is a God who finishes what he starts. And taking hold of that promise, we can know that that is a victory for us. His victories are our victories. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 32 tells us this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us. In 1 Corinthians in chapter 15 in verses 51 through 57, Paul when telling of what is to come at the end of time, he says, behold, I tell you a great mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. And when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the people of Israel did not experience victory by the completion of that wall based upon their ability, but they, ba- they had victory based upon the work of the Lord. And the same goes for us. We don't have victory based upon the bricks that we've built behind us, the good works that we have accomplished. Those are nothing. We have victory only through Jesus. We have victory only through his name. But not only do we see the channel of this victory, that is through Jesus, it's for believers only, but you see the certainty of this victory. When God has began a good work, he will complete that work, and so that means there is certainty to our victory. 
You may be sitting in difficult times now and you wonder if things will ever get better. Friends, I got news for you. If you have repented of your sins and called upon the name of Jesus as your Lord, if you have been reborn, you have been born again, you can take certain one thing for sure that you are going to be victorious because Jesus is victorious. It's certain. John 16, 33, Jesus says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation. Uh-oh, you experienced that. You and I feel that. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 through 5, the Bible tells us, for everyone has been born of God, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Take heart today because God completes, he finishes what he begins, and that amounts to victory for us. People all across the Bible understood this. Noah understood that the battle was the Lord's. Noah understood that when God is in control, it means victory for him. He understood it as he loaded the ark because he knew it was God who would shut the door. He didn't shut the door. Abraham understood it as he walked up the hill to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, as he looked to his son and he said, my son, God will provide the lamb. Joseph understood it in times of famine. He understood it when he told his brothers what you meant for evil for me. God meant it for good. Moses understood it in front of the Red Sea with an army behind him and mountains on the side and a sea in front of him. He looked to the people of Israel and he said, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. He finishes what he starts. Joshua understood it as he began to take the Israelites into the promised land. He says, God will give them into our hands. The young shepherd king David understood it down in the valley of Elah. As he came down before that giant, he understood one thing. The battle is the Lord's. The prophet Elijah understood it as he was surrounded by a Syrian army. And all of the Israelites began to panic. And he asked the Lord to open their eyes. And as, the, as God opened the eyes of the Israelites, they looked around and saw that the army of angels that was around them was greater than the army of the Syrians who were around them. Behold, he said, those who are for us are greater than those who are against us. Jesus understood that God finishes what he starts. He understood that the battle was the Lord's when standing before Pilate. He says, it's not you who has this authority. It's God who's given this authority to you. Understand this, brothers and sisters. God will complete what he started in you. We need not be people who worry or have anxiety because God completes what he starts. And that amounts to victory for us. Follow with me secondly and very quickly to verse 16 as we see not only the victory, but as we see the defeat. Just as God's ability and certainty to finish what he starts ensures victory for his people, it seals defeat for his enemies. 
when all of Nehemiah's contemporaries, all the nations surrounding him, heard what God had done, they were gripped by fear, humility, and all. Let's look in verse 16 together, and we'll see the fear, the humility, and all. Look in verse 16, and when all our enemies heard of it, the nations around us were afraid. You know, I've had a lot of people talk to me during this time of our testing, during this time of our pressing and our trials. They've asked if it's okay to be afraid. Listen, brothers and sisters, you're going to combat fear as long as you have flesh, but it's not okay to be afraid. Why? Because fear is for failures. Fear is for those who are not the Lord's. The Lord has promised us victory, but those who are not His, their defeat is sure. This wall was completed, and their enemies of Israel became greatly afraid. They had great fear. Fear fell upon them. It gripped them. Why? Because in 52 days, they were to accomplish something. Despite all of the opposition, despite all of their inabilities, they were able to accomplish something that had never been done before. And fear gripped their heart. Why? Because they knew that Israel was God's people. And they knew that if that meant that they were God's people, then those who came in opposition to them were also God's enemies. There's great fear for those who are already defeated. You know, as you think about all the temptations that you come to in life, you think about the sicknesses that have ravaged your family, the members that you have said goodbye to within the last uh, year, in the last few years, and you begin to mourn and you begin to feel defeat. I want you to take to your heart Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 3 and 7 through 10, where the Bible says of, of a day that is coming, there's some certainties of something that will happen. In chapter 21 and verse 1, John sees and he says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he sees the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand year, years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. And then in verse 7, And when the thousand years were ended, Satan will be released from prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints, the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they were tormented day and night forever and ever. I've got news for you, friends. Satan and your enemy, the devil, and death has a certain defeat that is coming their way. Because of what Jesus has accomplished on the cross, because Jesus finishes what he starts, you can be sure that your adversary, the devil, has a certain doom to him. He has a fear. It's, uh, in, in Israel, there was also humility. Look again in verse 16. And when all of our enemies heard of the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, all of a sudden, they weren't all that in a bag of potato chips. All of a sudden, they didn't have it all together. All of their might couldn't stop this ragtag group of people from building a wall in 52 days. Their pride must have taken a great hit. 
And then also they recognized what God had done. They, had, they were afraid. They fell greatly in their own esteem for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with help from our God. This task was accomplished by God. It brought victory for the believers. It brought defeat for those who were not God's. And then I want you to see in verse 17 and 19, it brought clarity. Look with me in verses 17 through 19. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah. And Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him. Now move on down to verse 19. Also, they spoke to his good deeds in my presence and reported my words to him. And Tobiah sent letters to make me afraid. You see, God's ability and certainty to finish what he starts ensures our victory. It seals the defeat for his enemies, and it brings clarity to his people. As we examine this text, and as you've been following along through Nehemiah, you will notice that the name Tobiah from the beginning has been painful for God's people to hear. He has been an enemy of God's people, and yet we see that the people of Israel are still talking highly of him. Everyone said, yeah, that's my boy, Tobiah. We're related to him. He's my distant cousin. He's a good guy. They came to Nehemiah. Nehemiah, Tobiah, he's a good guy. Hey, he's family. He means well. He can do good for us. Hey, listen, we want to scratch his back because one day he, we may need him to scratch ours. They had uh, given themselves into his debt. They had made oaths to him. But you see, Nehemiah knew who Tobiah was. There was clarity. They were saying, oh, he's so good. He's all these things. We bound our oaths to him. But what Nehemiah says at the very end kind of seals it. And Tobiah sent, uh, he says, but Tobiah and Tobiah sent letters to make me afraid. It didn't matter what all good the people of Israel thought Tobiah had done. Nehemiah knew the truth. Tobiah was an enemy, but he had had God's people fooled. He had fooled them to thinking that he was on their side, but really he wanted their destruction. He wanted their death. He wanted their defeat. And the only reason he wanted them was alive was so that they could benefit him. You know, in this world today, so many believers have endeared themselves and submitted themselves to the things of this world, to the media of this world, to the money of this world, to the things of this world, and all of a sudden, things aren't going our way, and we're seeing that no matter how hard we prepare, we can't stop what God is going to do. But I want you to observe something very, very clearly that when God finishes what he starts, things become very clear as to who belong to them and who don't. Right now, all across West Memphis and Marion and Crittenden County, people are looking to you and they're seeing whether or not your faith is genuine and whether or not it is real. And they're telling that by your actions. Do you have faith? Do you believe is Jesus really more than enough? Or was he just something that you said so that you could fit in with a group of people in a building that will one day be torn down, in a building that will one day burn up with the rest of the world? 
Do you really look different? You see, when God finishes what he starts, there is clarity. There's coming a day when everyone will stand before the throne of Jesus. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And everyone who pretended to be believers on earth won't get anything by on Jesus. In the book of Matthew, I read of a, of a sermon where Jesus is preaching and he says, many people will say to me in that day, have I not done all these great things in your name? Have I not cast out demons in your name? Have I not done all these good works in your name? But Jesus said, I will say unto them, depart from me, for I never knew you. You see, there's coming a day where even though you may have fooled me and your neighbor to your right and your neighbor to your left, you can be assured of one thing. You will not fool God. He understands your situation with him, your relationship with him. And today, if you're here and you have never called upon the name of the Lord Jesus, if you've never repented of your sins, that is to say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for living against your will, and I want to live for you. If you have never turned from them and turned to Jesus and called upon Jesus as Lord, if you've never done that, I want to give you an opportunity today to surrender your life to Jesus. God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to this world to come and to live a perfect life, to never sin. And yet Jesus went to the cross and died on your behalf and on mine. And he says that if anyone will repent of their sins and call upon him as Lord, you can have salvation and eternal life. You can have that victory that we spoke about earlier, victory even as the your breath leaves your lungs. Even as you breathe your last on this earth, you can have ultimate victory, not based upon what you've done, but based upon what Jesus has done. But I know that there are many here today who are believers, who are living in a time of chaos and living in a time of fear. Can I encourage you? Our God finishes what he started. He Amen. He began a good work in you, and he's going to bring that to completion. And there's going to be a day for those of us who love him, who repented of our sins, who are called according to his purpose. There's coming a day when we're going to be free from this world and from the sicknesses and the, and the pain and the death in this world. There's coming a day when all of that will be over, and we'll experience victory forever and ever in his presence. As we study the book of Nehemiah, we can learn this truth for certain. Our God finishes what he starts. Would you bow with me in prayer, please? Father in heaven, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you that you finish what you start. And Lord, I know what a great task, if you were any human being, what a great task that would be to complete what you started in me. But Lord, I thank you that it's nothing for you and what you've accomplished through Jesus is more than enough and your grace and your mercy is more than enough and your spirit is still performing that great work in my life and in so many lives of my brothers and sisters who are here. Lord, help them to live by faith and not by fear. Help them to live uh, for you. Help them to experience your victory. Help them to see that you complete what you begin and Lord, I pray that you use us in a real and a powerful way in the coming weeks as we look more, um, as we look different than everyone else in this world, as we are people who are not defined by anxiety or worry, but are people who are 
who are defined by faith and trust in Jesus. Lord, I, I pray you've spoken through my feeble words today and used them for your glory. It's in the name of Jesus I pray this. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of First Importance. You're invited to check out our other sermons on this channel, and if you're in the West Memphis area, to join us for our Sunday worship at 1045 a.m.